0: John Clayton.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios.
0: Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And
1: joining us is Greg Rosenthal. Uh, he does the Around the NFL podcast, the NFL.com Insider and NFL Network Insider. You can also follow him on Twitter at Greg with two G's Rosenthal. And so, Greg, uh, I guess we start out right now This uh, Super Bowl hangover for the San Francisco 49ers is turning into a migraine in the sense that today Richard Sherman goes on IR, uh, Akello Witherspoon goes in concussion protocol, you got Jason Verrett, at cornerback, Uh, he's got hamstring issues, so three of their top four cornerbacks may be down. They're a mess at wide receiver. What is going on with the 49ers and the injuries?
2: Right, and up front, they got injuries on the offensive line, some on the defensive line. Some guys that are playing, like D Ford, I I watched him pretty closely last week. He does not look right to me, George Kittle. Um, It's it's crazy. The the one good luck, I I guess, that um, Kyle Shanahan could look to to the football gods is the schedule sets up well, that they're playing the Jets this week, the Giants next week. they got the Dolphins in a couple weeks. So if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I, I still have some faith, let's, that they can get through in, uh, an easy part of their schedule with some ugly wins, maybe tread water uh, until all these guys get back.
1: Yeah, but boy, I tell you what, it looks it looks bad in the sense that uh, you know so many injuries, and you know this is a, a team right now. Didn't they have to go through a whole reevaluation of their health department to see you know why they tend in the last couple of years to get more injuries than most teams?
2: Yeah, they they are one of those teams. It really it is. I don't. Funny is the wrong word. So, but some teams have been a little cursed with the injury luck. Some good teams do. The Eagles, I would put up there. The Chargers, I would certainly put up there. And uh, this is really testing Kyle Shanahan. Um, but I, I think he's a good enough coaching uh, coach, and his staff is good enough that I look at the 49ers versus the Jets, for instance, and I still think the 49ers have more talent, and I know the 49ers have a better coaching staff.
1: Why? Why did the Jets and uh, Giants look so bad? I mean, uh, I know that <laughs> <laughs> it's like. I, again, I, I'll, I'll get into Jamal Adams here in a second, but it's like, you know, it, Adam Gaze, I don't know how he keeps the team under his control. He now admits that he made a mistake with uh, Le'Veon Bell keeping in when he tweaked his hamstring. Now Ugh. Bell goes on injured reserve. You know, Joe Judge, I mean, I don't know. How do you judge how he handled training camp? And then the result you see at the end in the game against Pittsburgh where they you know couldn't handle any. They made no adjustments against the Pittsburgh Blitz.
2: Right. I I think they're in two different situations, though, because I, I, I believe that the Giants, I, and maybe I'm wrong, but I believe the Giants have found a good quarterback. I think if you really watch the film on a play-by-play basis at the end of last season and, and even, even in Game 1, I think Daniel Jones does a lot of positive things. And I, I kind of like what Jason Garrett did with him. And, and even their defense looked a little more competent than it was a year ago. I mean, they're in the middle of a rebuilding process for sure, uh, but I'm gonna give them a little bit of time. The Jets, on the other hand, stuck with Gase when it really made no sense. And I, and I think if you just look at their, their overall roster, I mean, Gase is in a tough spot because, uh, I, I said before the year, I thought they were the worst team in the NFL and, uh, that got some reaction and I just, I think they're telling you what they think when they trade away Jamal Adams and, and I don't think they think they're gonna be very competitive
1: this year. Yeah, I'm back. I know I had to vote for AP yesterday, and I put number 32 as a New York Jets and 31 as a Miami Dolphins, which, of course, that uh, you know, boasts up the <laughs> chances of the Bills and the Patriots. What did you think of the Patriots' first performance with Cam Newton? I know it was against Miami, a Miami team that couldn't generate anything. couldn't seemed to be confused as to how to stop the Patriots, which, of course, Brian Flores used to coach there.
2: <laughs> well, because you've never seen a Patriots team like this. I mean, they were running, you know, seven or eight different – running concepts and you know, you saw Cam Newton do a lot of things that I think Lamar Jackson does uh with the Patriots, a lot of power running and um they weren't ready for it. And I I think what Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are I'm not gonna say rejuvenated but I, I do think they're excited about the challenge of winning games in a different sort of way. They got a great secondary. I think they have a very good offensive line, and, and they have Cam Newton, who, if he can stay healthy, is a weapon. Uh, I think it's a it's a tough spot to go to Seattle for them. They're a team, the Patriots, that is, that I think is going to be better uh, in late October like they normally are than, than they're going to be right now. So I, I think this, you know, the Seahawks are, are still a few steps ahead of probably where the Patriots are.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, what's your initial thoughts on what you saw of Seattle in Week 1?
2: It was awesome. I mean, I watched that that last night. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> both sides of the ball uh, were interesting. You know, the Falcons look good on offense too, but, but the Seahawks made enough big plays. And uh, I just think, you know, This is not an original take, but I, I think if the Seahawks are willing to be more aggressive and take advantage of their prime quarterback, their prime receivers, they went for it on fourth down uh, early in the game. I just think that makes them harder to deal with, and I think it recognizes what kind of team they are, which is a, a really exciting offensive team and, and a defense that has great coaching and, and I think can play well enough. Uh, with that secondary to to win games like they did against the
1: Falcons. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Yeah, because Russell, I think he had like, what, 25 uh, passing plays in first and second down, which that's something that never happens, and it looks like they are going to let Russ cook, which has been one of the buzzwords out here. (laughs) But now I don't know if you can do that against Bill Belichick Uh, And that defense, because say what you want, I don't know how good the defense is going to be. Hard to judge with Miami, but what you can see is that they'll run the ball well, and they're also on defense. You know, they they're they're as good a man-to-man cornerback team as there is in football, if not the best.
2: I'm totally with you. I would take their cornerbacks um, against anyone, and and I think the the Seahawks when when it, you know. comes down to it at the end of the season, we'll look at them as one of the best secondaries in the league. I'm definitely including the, the safety there. So this is a game I, I think you, you will see more running, and I think you'll see um, a little more diversity out of the Patriots offense, and I and I certainly would see expect to see a little more Chris Carson uh, out of the, the Seahawks offense because – um, the Patriots always, you know, get after you if you're one dimensional. And um, they're, they're really built to stop the pass. And uh, they'll probably invite the Seahawks to run. And and I would expect the Seahawks to, to have success doing that.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, how did Jacksonville beat Indianapolis? I know that, uh, that for whatever reason the Colts' defense uh, still must have been a no-show. I don't know if they uh, if they opted out like so many of the Patriots did, but it's like uh, you know, and you know here is uh, Philip Rivers throwing 17 passes to running backs and uh, just doing the short stuff, and here's Jacksonville with their 55 man that they had on the roster. They had 18 rookies, 18 rookies, wow. and D.D. Westbrook didn't play.
2: Yeah, they were they were efficient on offense in terms of they didn't make mistakes and I think Gardner Minshew and Jay Gruden, their offensive coordinator, is a really good match and I think they'll be a little better on offense than people think. They were not good on defense, the Jaguars that is, and the Colts went up and down the field and um, sometimes like the obvious narrative is the right one and I watched that game too and and the two rivers interceptions and and they struggled. Uh, on the goal line another time, and on fourth down another time, like those interceptions swung the game they they really did they the first one especially was at a point where the Jaguars were about to be knocked out so I think this Colts team is going to rack up a lot of yards but their defense was not good at the end of last season that was kind of under the radar and it was not good in this game they could not get stops at the end of the game when they needed to
1: Can you explain what's going on in Chicago because here they come off an amazing victory where uh, somehow Mitch Trubisky actually played a good game particularly in the fourth quarter with the comeback and they go ahead and now here Alan Robinson not happy to a point where he takes all the social media jet uh, all the bear stuff off his social media platform and hasn't asked for a trade but you can see the fact he's not getting a contract he wants a trade
2: right it's this is a very 2020 story with the taking the team off it's very it reminds me of jamal adams and um depending how the bear season goes you know i i wouldn't be totally shocked by Allen robinson uh, being available and being traded because um if the Bears are struggling, you know, if that first win turns out to be a mirage and they're they're two and four, two and five, they, they don't seem to be willing to pay Allen Robinson the money he wants. And uh, I think there's a lot of teams out there uh, that would be willing to pay Allen Robinson the money he wants.
1: Okay, you can follow Greg Rosenthal at Greg with two Gs Rosenthal on Twitter. And what do you have on the around the NFL podcast?
2: Well, we're uh, we're previewing week one, every Thursday, or week two, rather, every Thursday. And, and then that, that show uh, airs on NFL Network on Saturday morning, too. Thanks, John.
1: Okay. Greg Rosenthal, NFL Network and NFL.com. Thank you so much. You can listen to the show on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the report card. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: It's time for The, the Report, report card. card with the Professor. The professor.
1: We take the stories, we take the anecdotes, we take the social media comments, we also take the voices and attach them, and we get our uh, chance to get the grades going on the report cards. So, Curtis Rogers, what do we have?
3: Well, John, let's get started with the NFL, and we mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show, Uh, Allen Robinson, the Bears wide receiver, the disgruntled Bears wide receiver. He is making his stance known that he wants a new contract from the Bears, or from really any team for that matter. And he's going to the lengths of deleting all mentions and pictures of the Chicago Bears from his social media account. That's kind of the typical move we see nowadays for players to send those kinds of messages. So how are we grading Allen Robinson being the latest example of an athlete taking all of his social media down that references his current employer give it a b minus i mean uh, you know it certainly puts the gun to the head of the team to try
1: to do something and unfortunately i guess you can say that uh, you know it's now worked i mean alvin kamara staged a little bit of a, a hold in uh, you saw it happen to work with him he got his 15 million dollar contract you know dalvin cook did a little bit of a hold in and he got his then of course then you take the tactic like okay you take all the stuff off social media unique and dockway did it he ended up getting traded and so once you do it it seems to be the recipe to uh, try to get out of there and it's I, the big reason i can understand him not getting paid why he would want out of there but also maybe he just doesn't like it there i mean you know they come back on off a win and here he does this after a win very suspicious so i'm going to give it a b minus yeah I'd
3: hate to see how he'd react after a loss i'm going to give it uh, yeah i'll give it a b i mean it gets the message across like you said and i mean he's got plenty of followers so that's a message sent to hundreds of thousands of people all at once. Yeah, it's a very effective way of doing it. And as we've seen in pretty much every instance of this, it works. And so, I mean, Allen Robinson probably going to end up getting what he wants. John, also in the sports world last night, there was the huge upset between the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. The Clippers getting sent home from the bubble after blowing a 3-1 series lead to the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets having overcome a 3-1 deficit in back-to-back series now. That has never happened in NBA history. Uh, just a, a Cinderella run right now for Denver. But Clippers star forward Paul George last night was uh, caught, I guess, trying to rewrite history a little bit. This is a clip from an interview he did with comedian Kevin Hart back in June saying that the the expectation for the Clippers this year is to win a championship.
2: Hey. Get it done or bust, or is it patience within said two years or three-year time?
0: I think immediately we expected to come in and, and, and win it all. Like We, we didn't have no other, um, like, hey, this is going to take a year to get used to one another.
3: That's a fair thing yeah, to yeah. say, especially with the offseason they had, acquiring Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George. This is Paul George following the Clippers' collapse last night against the Nuggets. Here's what he had to say.
0: But I think internally, we, we, we've always felt um, this is not a championship or bust year for us. Uh, you know, we, we can only get better the longer we stay together and the more we're around each other. Um, the more chemistry for this group, the better. Um, I think that's really the tell of the tape of the season. We just didn't have enough time together.
3: Paul George man saying at one point it was it was championship or bust and then mm-hmm. following a historic collapse saying oh no it wasn't that at all How are we grading Paul George backtracking here John you have an
1: F i mean you know it's it's one thing to say one one time and then change it and all that stuff but again you know the collapses of Milwaukee and uh, Clippers i just find astonishing because you know, you figure that uh, Milwaukee is probably going to be in close to being at the end of this run. Because at some point they're going to have to trade the Greek Freak because he'll want to go to a bigger city. And here's the Clippers, you know, in the big city, you know, able to take advantage of being able to get that. But to to fall down and not play the Lakers, I mean, it's devastating. It's just awful. And I don't care what excuses the players will come up with. Hey, we it's not championship or bust. No, it's bust. You didn't get the championship, or you didn't get into the championship. Sometimes it's a matter and LeBron can answer that, is that okay, you guys Golden State or whoever it is they might be the better team, but if you're as talented as the Clippers, you make it to the finals and they didn't
3: yeah, it's an F all around for the Clippers this season, which is wild to say because any other Clippers here that ends in a second-round elimination is a, is a rousing success. But with how much they spent this offseason on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and to fall short in the way that they did, they had plenty of opportunities to clinch the series. They held double-digit leads in games 5, 6, and 7 and blew them all uh, just an F for the Clippers, and uh, they they deserve every bit of scorn coming their way today. Uh, John, also on the report card today, uh, news in college football that led off our show, the Big Ten returning to football the weekend of October 24th. That's when their regular season will start. They will play an eight-week schedule uninterrupted with no bye weeks leading up to the conference championship game December 19th. Uh, John, a lot of you know arm twisting from coaches and and players from the big Ten to the conference leadership that is in place, Commissioner Kevin Warren, uh, making this announcement today. How are we grading the Big Ten finally coming to a resolution on this?
1: Kind of give it two grades. Hey, listen, I'm happy that uh, <clears throat> the Big Ten is playing because it's more football. So that gets a good grade, but we not want to attach a good grade to it. But the fact that uh, you know it's almost like it's backhanded and it's like there's no leadership. It's like the NCAA, no leadership. So I'm going to give it a C because it's like, okay, how come you couldn't be bold enough to make a decision? I mean, you get a report that nobody had really heard of before about, uh, you know, the heart problems caused by the COVID virus. And so it's like, oh, that's it. We can't do it. we got the heart problems. And then you didn't have the heart enough to even listen to the players and all that stuff. You went against all the wishes. And you got, like, Michigan State, I think, is still an entire Uh, School quarantine right now. You think Rutgers is going to be able to play? It's a mess. And that's a mess because no leadership and no plan. And it's like, uh, you know, maybe it's a mistake to have all these college games going on, particularly in schools where you don't have uh, students on campus and all that stuff. That's, That's for another time. But I think the way that they handled it was a C.
3: Yeah, I'm going to give the Big Ten leadership a, a D minus on how they kept everybody in the dark about their decision making, why they chose to cancel it in the first place, and now after a lot of pressure from parents and fans and players, uh, they're you know now allowing the schools to come back and play and like you said there are some schools right now where it's like well I don't think they're going to have any chance of playing Rutgers like you mentioned uh they released a statement today it was very opposite of what the uh you know the message has been throughout the Big 10 today where it's one of like yeah we did it we're coming back uh, it doesn't sound like everybody's thrilled to be back in the Big 10 so it's uh, going to be a situation worth monitoring as they get closer and closer to actually playing games. Uh, John, let's end it. Uh, well, actually, we got another one. This one from MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred. Major League Baseball going with a 16-team playoff this season. And Manfred, in a conversation with the University of Hofstra, uh, talked about how he would like to see this continue in in future years. I'm a fan of the expanded playoffs it is one of those changes that I hope becomes a permanent part of our landscape. I will say about the expanded playoffs is more like um, the three batter rule. We hadn't adopted it um, before we started the season, but it had been um, unanimously. I'm well, maybe one or two, but um, you know, the overwhelming majority of the clubs had endorsed the idea before COVID hit. Um, and as a result, I think um, it. it, it hopefully will become a permanent part of our landscape. John, 16 teams in a 30-team league making the playoffs. Are you in favor of it continuing beyond 2020? I mean, obviously, we they needed the extra revenue. That's yeah. why they expanded the playoffs this year, but... In years down the road, do you, do you think it's a good idea? No.
1: It shows you how clueless Manfred is. It's like he was terrible in setting up the way this uh, the protocols were going to be. You know, he was vicious with the players and not being able to incorporate them in. And now you're going to cheapen it so you're almost making it like every team can get into the playoffs. It's ridiculous. I give him an F and an F minus. Again, I think, you know whatever number, whether it's going to be 12 or 14, but to take it to 16 in a 30-team league, I mean, that's just ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I give it an F as well. I, I think it's it's fine in 2020 because they need ways to increase their revenue, which has taken a massive hit with all the shutdowns. But in a normal season, I'm not for it because it cheapens the regular season. It It doesn't make it as important, and it doesn't give teams – uh, a bigger incentive to try harder, whereas if the playoffs are harder to get to, that's going to make teams try and build a roster as as great as possible in order to make it to the postseason. Uh, I give baseball an F if they want to continue expanding the playoffs beyond the 12 teams that it is right, or the 10 teams that it is right now uh, 16 is is fine for 2020, but any year down the road, I'm not okay with it. John, that is it for today's report card. Hey, be sure to check out the professor's
1: notes on 710sports.com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we go on the busy hard seltzer text line at 710710, taking your text questions.
3: It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours, every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app.
1: It is time to go into busy hard seltzer text line at 710-710. So, Curtis, what do we
3: have? John, let's get it started today from the 206. They want to know, do you think Clay Matthews signs with anybody this week? No, I think not. I think that he has a price that,
1: uh, I, and again, the price I hear is $5 million. Nobody's gone to $5 million. He's already missed one week of pay. And so uh, I get the feeling that nobody's going to step up to, to
3: get to his demand. So I think he, like many others, are going to sit out this season. 253, interesting question here. They would say 10 years from now, who will we call the second best receiver in Seahawks history? Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, or DK Metcalf?
1: Hmm... Uh, and don't forget Brian Blades in that equation, yeah. too. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it could be DK Metcalf. He, you know, again, he can't have the drops that he had the other day. That can't continue. But uh, you know, talent. I mean, you know, you you think about it. Okay, now Lockett was a second round pick, and now you know, you've got Blades, uh, and here's Metcalf, a second round pick. But you look at that body, and that body's just incredible. I mean, again, you know. Uh, Baldwin, of course, was undrafted, but you know, here's a guy, 6'3, 229 pounds, runs a four three three forty, and has one of the best jumping abilities. You know, athletically, he looks like uh, Julio Jones, and the fact that teams passed on him was just stupid on their part.
3: Yeah, I, I like that you brought up Brian Blades. It was cool getting to talk to him at the Super oh, yeah. Bowl. It's, didn't he say he hadn't been to Seattle in like over a decade or right, something? Right, that's why they, they they should invite him back at some point. Absolutely, get him up here. From this this one comes from the five hundred nine. They want to know: Do you see the Seahawks extending Tyler Lockett after next season?
1: Uh, I would imagine that they'll do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously they got other priorities right now because he is under contract. I mean, they have to do something with Shaquille Griffin and need to do something with Chris Carson. We'll see about Quentin Dunbar. We'll see about some of the older players like Bruce Irvin and guys like that. But overall, yeah, I think that uh, I mean he's a big part of this team. And, of course, what's going to be interesting is that, you know, the cap is going to be down next year, but it's going to go up the year after that, and so it gives them the ability
3: to be able to fit it in that much better. 253 wants to know, John, what do you think is the likeliest outcome with Dak Prescott in Dallas? An extension, another, sou- or another uh, franchise tag, or a trade
1: no i think that they'll well they can't trade him because he's up at the end of next year so it would have to be a franchise and trade situation but i have to think that they'll, they'll get something done you know jerry jones didn't get it done he made a mistake it's going to cost him more money and it's cost him more cap room uh but uh, that was a
3: mistake on his part but they've now got to fix it and pay him 38 and a half million bucks Four two five wants to know, John. What did you make of Joe Burrow's debut? Uh, pretty
1: good. I mean, you know, he should have won the game. You know, that one play that uh, was a close call in the end zone. He got the ball in the guy's hands, and it just didn't go. But with uh, a push off and all that stuff.
3: But no, I thought it was pretty impressive. It's a good start. 253 wants to know, John, they say, Professor, are you and Pat doing well with all the hazardous air in, in going
1: on right yeah, now? Yeah, I mean, uh, hardly going out. Now, Pat obviously stays in the house and naturally he's not going to be outside. You know, I still you know, go out when I get food. Uh, even last night, stayed outside a little bit, which is probably a mistake. But uh, I can do it again tonight, but I'll have to debate it. But, uh, you know, overall, we're doing as well as we can be expected.
3: Yeah, hopefully this, this bad air blows out of here and, we able to get some fresh air coming in over the next couple well, we of days. we to make sure we get the game in on Sunday. Yeah, speaking of, John, have you, we get a couple of text questions in here from the 206. They want to know any news about the air quality affecting Seattle's game on Sunday. Well, I mean, it affected baseball, but again, we have until Sunday, and you saw that you know here it was on Saturday
1: in San Francisco, and the API was over like 239, and they still were able to get it in below 200. And again, what we need is just some rain. I know it's tough to ask for
3: just rain, but hey, let it rain. Get get this out of here. I like that. From the 509, how much is Drew Brees going to be impacted with Michael Thomas's injury? A lot. Because, I mean, you even go back to last year, he didn't have much else, a uh,
1: wide receiver. I mean, a Jared Cook, a tight end, you know, they were able to get Emmanuel Sanders. But, I mean, you're, you're taking a lot. I mean, because he's the most active receiver in football, that's going to, I
3: mean, that could take six, seven points off what they score. This one comes to us from the 425. They want to know, do you see any candidates the Seahawks could use the franchise tag on next season? Yeah,
1: I would have to think to Chris Carson or Shaquille Griffin. I think they need to get one deal done, and then you know you try to get another deal done, but if not, you get the franchise tag for the one you can't get done. You're not going to lose both players. 480 wants to know, do you think Greg Olson gets more snaps this week? Uh, I think so, yeah, particularly knowing that you know, you've know you got a, a team that is very good in pass coverage with three quality man to man cover guys. You know, so now if you get more to if you go too tight in, you get bigger bodies going against smaller bodies and that could be an advantage.
3: From the two five three, they want to know, John, which team in week one made you adjust their win total the most following what they did in week one? Mm, I don't I mean
1: I, I certainly had some questions about uh, Indianapolis because I thought they were going to win 11, but I'm not going to make a rash judgment there. <clears throat> certainly, you know, Arizona, I think you have to take up to maybe eight or nine wins. You know, San Francisco, I still think can do 10 or 11 wins. You know, not, uh, you know and then you look at uh, Dallas, I thought there was an outside chance they can get to 12, but they continue to underachieve. And I get the Jets, I thought they were going to be a five-win team. Now
3: they look like a three-win team. This so one comes to us from the 425. They want to know any new developments in Earl Thomas's free agency. Nothing.
1: I mean, nothing's coming from Dallas. No visits. And here it is, middle of the week. And if you don't make the visit by the middle of the week and go through concussion protocol, I mean, not concussion protocol, but virus protocol,
3: you're not getting a deal done. So right now, no deal. Uh, this one from the 206. They wanted, despite their loss to Kansas City in Week One. What kind of season do you think David Johnson has with Houston? Uh, I think I mean a much better. I mean this will be his best season in three
1: years because I think that Bill O'Brien uh, he likes this type of running back can get the most out of him as long as he can stay healthy. I mean I don't I would not uh, dismiss the chance for him getting a thousand yards. Remember last year you know Bill O'Brien got a thousand yards out of Carlos Hyde, getting him after the last minute when Lamar Miller suffered his ACL injury.
3: Uh, from the 253, they want to know, do you think Jason Garrett ever gets a head coaching job again? Mm, probably does because this league seems to uh, like offensive coaches and
1: uh, <clears throat> gives them a chance. Owners seem to do that. And I thought what was so strange during the broadcast is that you know there was more shots of Jason Garrett than there was Joe Judge.
3: Yeah. I found that to be very strange too, John. I guess it's because Garrett is much more noticeable to NFL fans because of all the years spent with the Cowboys, but if you were just tuning in, not you know yeah. following the NFL closely, you would think Jason Garrett was the head coach of the Giants. But that's well, not let's the put case. it this way: maybe looking at the way that Joe Judge coached yeah. in the first game, maybe he should. Very possible. Very, very possible. Uh, this one comes to us from the two five three. They said, "Speaking of the Giants, do you think Saquon Barkley will continue to struggle?" Mm, yeah, I think he will because you know they didn't have any way to make
1: adjustments against the blitz. I mean, he's too good to not be able to bounce back, so he'll bounce back. But they've got to do a better job, and maybe Jason Garrett's got to look at what in the mirror and say, "Hey, how come I didn't make enough adjustments?" You know, particularly on the offensive line to be able to get that
3: fixed because I mean he just got blitz and blitz like crazy. Uh, This one comes to us from, let's see here, from the 425. They want to know, John, do you think DeAndre Hopkins will lead the NFL in receiving yards this season? Uh,
1: Better chance now, particularly with Michael Thomas out for a couple weeks. Yeah, I think that uh, Michael still is the leader in the pack, but now if he's not going to be able to play, Hopkins has a great chance
3: coming off a 14-catch game to be able to uh, get 150 catches or so and lead the league. And then from the 509, they want to know, how do you think Phillip Rivers does against Minnesota's defense? Right now, I think pretty well, you know, because...
1: One of the things that Aaron Rodgers took advantage of with three young cornerback replacements, and I think Phillips going to do the same thing. You know, Philip, you know, got seventeen passes to his running backs. Now, unfortunately, he lost one of them in Marlon Mack, who got the Achilles injury. But I have to think that uh, you know he'll he'll he should bounce back. And you know, Minnesota's defense couldn't get any pressure. They've uh, they've got a great offensive line in Indy, and I think that uh, this is one where I thought the Vikings could start well, but obviously that turned out to be a mistake. That is going to do it for text questions. Okay, coming up next is our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Crosby.
0: John Clayton.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios.
0: On demand with the
3: 710 Seattle Sports App.
1: Oh, and our time for our Daily Dose of the Gros with Dave Grosby. Kind of an interesting twist is that uh, here's the Mariners you know, on the fringe of being a playoff contender, which surprised everybody, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden now they're losing home games. I mean, here's Oakland. You know, they were able to, uh, had to cancel the series up here in Seattle. They had to, you know, they played the doubleheader, so they got that game in despite the uh, all the fire that's all around here and all the smoke and all that stuff and then of course get one of the games in a doubleheader in oakland and now here's and i find this very strange is that you know here is uh the series you know postponed in seattle moved to san francisco and am i mistaken isn't there more fires in california than in washington
0: yeah but the air has been worse up here john so uh you know that's why they made that change You're, you're definitely right about that but all the smoke is blowing north, so the air quality is worse up here. And you know, home field advantage—two things in, in baseball is is really only important in certain ballparks. You know, like for example, Yankee Stadium, which favors left-handers and and uh, and, and whatnot. Um, and when the crowd is there, and the crowd is not there, so it's less of an advantage, less of a dis- how about this, less of a disadvantage that would normally be in in regular years. But yeah, the air quality is worse up here, believe it or not, than it is down there.
1: Yeah, very strange. And so uh, now it's just a matter of you know getting the games in, and uh, that's
0: the biggest issue is getting the games in.
1: Yeah. What's your thoughts on Sunday for Seattle and the, for the Seahawks?
0: Oh, I'm looking forward to it like everyone else is. No, but I are think, they going to be
1: able to? Will the, will the air be better by then?
0: Understand what you're asking. Uh, it, it, you know, they, they they don't really have the modeling and everything like that down for sure. But everyone is saying that that uh, some heavy rain and wind. Starting tomorrow should, should improve the air quality. So, right now as we sit here, it's supposed to get better tomorrow, and be and it's a little bit better. I, I you know, like everyone else who's stuck yeah. inside, probably taking a look at the air quality index more than you ever did. It's it's better than it was yesterday. So it's on the improved So. Yes, I, I do not believe it will be a problem for Sunday.
1: Okay, well, that's encouraging. And, of course, uh, now we'll, we'll see how all that goes. But, uh, you know, optimism right now that everything will turn out okay. Uh, thoughts on the uh, Big Ten changing course? Uh, and, you know, I uh, we had to do the report card. Uh-huh. And I had to give the Big Ten, you know, a bad grade just from the standpoint that it's like, where's the leadership? I mean, you know, they came out so strong particularly in the Pac-12, did the same thing with the report that uh, part of the virus is the fact if you get it, you risk football players and athletes to heart problems. And that seemed to be the clinching thing that they all grasp on. And now with the players protesting and the coaches going at it and the money needed, they said, okay well, that's okay There's nothing changed in the medical reports they use to postpone the season. But now they come back under pressure and do it. No leadership.
0: Yeah, I mean, or, or just, you know, you know, cave it under, under pressure and, and look, I mean, you know, they, they changed their decision making process and decided to make it based more on how well they were able to test and how, how well they're able to, to isolate guys. And that's, that's, that's what kind of tipped the, tipped the, the tide there. I mean, you know, it's funny. Everyone's waiting for the Pac-12 to follow suit and the Pac-12 has got different issues. I mean, you know, in particular in California and Oregon, I believe in those two states, they, they, they don't even have, um, rules passed or, or laws, or not laws passed, but guidelines passed that allow even contact drills. So, you know, they can't be looking at it yet, even though they all, they have also come up with a way to test much better and, and more, more quickly. But you're exactly right. Uh, you know, it's, it's completely ignoring what the original issue was, uh, and saying that, look, we can test everyone much better and that, that'll, that'll do it. I mean, we'll see. I mean, they're, they're testing guys around colleges all over the place and tons of guys are getting it. And uh, there, there's not a long-term feel for what should go on. And, you know, th- these are athletes that aren't getting paid. Um, you know, most of them will not have professional football careers. They don't have any insurance for this. You know, uh, we've, we've talked many times about, you know, the praise student-athlete was invented by Walter Byers to, to avoid paying workman's comp to players who were killed at the University of Pittsburgh back in the 40s. So, you know, uh, they're, they're they're putting the players at risk and, and – um, you know, everyone is kind of going along with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess we're not surprised about that, but uh, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, uh, but there's no, and you can understand now, I guess some of the PAC 12 problem, although part of it is Larry Scott, but uh, you know, overall it's like, you're right. The States right now. And of course, even Larry had to come out with the comment, Hey, we got to see what the States say about this.
0: Exactly. I mean, they, 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 they can't, you know, right now in Oregon and California, you can't have guys practicing basically. So, that changes the Pac-12 is in the situation they're in and I think they're they're still they've 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 changed their thinking a little bit and they're thinking about November and we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah no doubt so stay tuned on that front and uh, see where it goes. I mean what's your thoughts play or no play this this uh this year?
0: For the Pac-12? Yes. I think they'll probably wind up making the decision to play just just uh just the gut instinct uh you know the the two that aren't uh, I thought was kind of interesting is the MAC, who was the first conference to – and they're basically based in, you know, Ohio and Michigan. Um, they said that they're not playing and nothing has changed. And The Mountain West is saying they're not playing and nothing has changed. They're likely to be the only two left out. I would imagine that the Pac-12, uh, when, when push comes to shove, elects to start playing in November.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would think so too. Uh, and uh, it's, it's like just following suit and seeing where things are going to go. Well, Russell Wilson got a well-deserved honor mm-hmm. in being picked as the offensive player of the week. I think that was kind of a no brainer when you go 31 for 35 for uh you know, uh, an incredible day. Uh, 322.
0: And, yeah. 322 uh, four and four and no touchdowns. Receptions.
1: Yeah. Pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean,
0: say, uh, four completions, four, four touchdown passes. I mean, it's, It was vintage Russell Wilson at his best, and and um, you know we'll we'll see. I imagine a completely different philosophy, as I'm sure you do too, this week when you're dealing with Bill Belichick. uh, You know he, he, you know the the great challenge here is, you know Belichick's got a good defense, even though they've got some injuries. They were the number one defense in the NFL last year, and he is you know always always all about trying to take away your best player. Well, what do you do when that guy's the quarterback? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I mean, how do they out of the Patriots' scheme, Russell Wilson will, will be. A fascinating chess match to watch. And, of course, the Seahawks seeing Cam Newton again. No surprise there. Uh, you know, uh, it's uh, it, it's uh, the eighth or ninth time or something like that. that they, They've seen Cam Newton, see him basically every year. And uh, in an offense where he ran it 15 times last week.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So that's going to be kind of fun to see and fun to enjoy and you know, fun to watch.
0: Fun Game 7 last night, too, in the NBA, it was uh, felt bad for Steve Ballmer and company, but the Clippers did not did not earn it. They had a three-one lead in their series against Denver, went to Game Seven. It was a two-point game most of the way, and and the Nuggets basically just stepped on the accelerator and left them choking on fumes. No pun intended. So that was an impressive performance by the Denver Nuggets. And you know Miami won their first game against uh, against the Celtics. So you know imagine a Miami-Denver NBA <laughs> Finals. I mean, who would have thought that? Nobody.
1: I mean, that's it's. It's interesting to just see that uh, you know what has happened in the NBA because you know the Clippers and Milwaukee were two th- teams that you would think you know would be able to advance and would be able to go and you figure be you know the Clippers against the uh, Lakers in the NBA semi you know, semifinals, conference mm-hmm. finals, and you figure Milwaukee and Boston were going to make it, but I mean both Milwaukee and uh, the Clippers choked.
0: They did, and, and and credit to the teams that beat them. And and they're legitimate, you know, prospects. I mean, they've got a two-man game going in Denver with with uh, Jokic and and Jamal Murray. That is very tough to deal with. And and uh, they just, you know, he's he's the best passing big man I, I think I've ever seen. Uh Is a guy who can also score, but just an unbelievable ball handler and, and passer. And uh, he, he gives them an element that, that that nobody else really has. So, you know, they they lost, and you can say they choked, but they they got beaten by teams at Miami with with uh, Jimmy Butler, just played better.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Pretty remarkable. And so uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see It now it looks like it's an easier path for the Lakers. But, hey, you never know, and particularly in these NBAs and particularly in bubble basketball. And, of course, it's always great to be in the bubble here with uh, Dave Grosby on our yeah. Daily Dose of the Gras.
0: Thanks, John. We'll talk tomorrow.
1: Okay, and so Curtis Rogers, I'm going to miss you now for the next three weeks. I know that you have surgery coming up, and you know, uh, fortunately, it's not anything that uh, you know is internal for the most part. So I hope everything goes well. and me be looking forward to getting you back in three weeks.
3: Well, thank you, John. Yeah, it's just an ankle procedure. I'll be in crutches for uh, for a little bit here, but uh, yeah, I'll, hopefully this. Uh We'll, we'll be having some fun. DJ Wilder's going to be taking over uh, over the next couple of weeks for me, so uh, hopefully things don't get too wild while Absolutely. I'm gone. But uh, thank you so much for the kind words, John. I'll miss you, but uh, I'll be back ready to go in, in a few weeks here.
1: Okay, Curtis Rogers, and of course we'll be back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.